0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros.
1: Bros, I was gonna say bros before hose, but that's just the wrong thing to start with. Mm. Yay!
0: Yay! <laughs> okay, Your standard yay. Yeah. Mm. We need we need another phrase instead of bros before hose. We need like uh, um, something something about comic books. Something something bros. No, that's that just as bad. Well, the
1: whole reason we chose Bros is because we're not actually Bros, and it was a whole like play, oh yeah, dumb. So um, I feel like we need a, a, a phrase that makes fun of all of that. Yes, we could just say "Welcome to the everyverse
0: Welcome to the Eververse. Well, no Bros allowed, except for us, I guess.
1: <laughs> I need uh, girls. <laughs> that's gonna be the gay guy. Like, <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I hear you.
1: Could you imagine how boring it would be? No, oh, no, that's fine. We already know. Yeah, well, let's not, know.
0: let's not go into the the deep dark hole. Let's try to rise above. Uh, this week we're talking about uh, three books. Uh, we have Exiles number fifteen. Uh, we have Excalibur number fourteen, and then we have Gen X number three. Uh, Dan, I'm kind of excited to read these issues. Uh, I don't know about you, oh. but I'm I'm kind of pumped. I am. Yeah. I think they're all um very different
1: yeah um, in both sort of theme and quality
0: <laughs> mm. so, spoilers well, yeah <laughs> uh let's let's jump into exiles number fifteen first. we've got uh, what do we have on the cover here, Dan? We have possibly my favorite cover so far. yeah we
1: have Namor sat in a throne, looking all awesome. And we have um, Sunfire, Morph, and Nocturne just sort of floating dead around him. Yeah, uh, it's really striking. I really like the use of shadow, especially around his head. And I just, I generally just like the fact that he just has this sort of um, "he gives no fucks" attitude in his face. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it, I don't know. It's it, it's definitely. A, um, and this image, spoilers for later, is. Is echoed later. This actual uh, is homage. This um, cover by another Exiles cover later on.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, this is the. So, I think my favorite cover as well. I think everyone looks really amazing on on the page. Uh, the coloring is really great. It uh, it gives like the theme is. You understand the theme of the book from the first image here. All except for our uh, our Japanese friend on the cover. Everyone looks really good. You know, she, she's never really drawn that great in, uh, in the book, unfortunately. But other other than that small issue, I think this is a really good cover.
1: Exactly. And it also answers the idea that whether, um, not to uh, drag it down into toilet humor, but it also answers um, my question whether Morph has a package, um, which he certainly does, according to this cover. I feel um, like he could
0: have as big or small a package as he ever wanted.
1: Yes, but usually, weirdly enough, and not that I'm obsessed with his physicality, but I think this is the first time I've noticed it. Right, <laughs> right. But I generally... No, that joking aside, I think um, Nocturne looks astonishing. The color work on it oh, yeah. is just not my favorite. The shadow on the face, the the, the, idea, the idea that she is just gone.
0: Yeah, the expression oh. on Warp's face as well, like he's sort of suffered in an agony and... and... He really looks lifeless in a... Not like I don't know how to draw people lifeless, but in an expired person lifeless.
1: Yeah, um, I don't have the credits for the cover artist either. It's clearly not McCone, right? (laughs) Um, It doesn't look like it's his work. On the side
0: of the scan here, it says Winnick McCone Holdridge, Exiles 15. Hmm. Holdridge is the Inca. Well, this is great. Great. Then we have no idea. Either way, great cover. Wonderful job. Yes. I have to, I have
1: to do a proper research about it because obviously my book is completely textless um, and it just has like a, a blanket statement at the beginning <laughs> of who, who's and what. And uh, Marvel on the, on the it seems to never want to give you the right details.
0: No, and so. in, in the pages this time we don't even have like, uh, uh, you know, written by this person colors by this person it, there's no credits inside
1: it's still it's still transparency digital if you are wanting to know I don't think it changes from transparency digital for the first 25 issues and then then someone actually starts coloring it I'm not <laughs> saying that not saying that it's it's not someone coloring it that transparency digital could be like a cool DJ name for colorists yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> It feels like it's a group of people or a program.
0: I want to. I, I want to th- think that Digital Underground reformed to uh, <laughs> color comic books, but
1: could you imagine? It's like a secret bank <laughs> um, Anyway, um, right. So we start our merry adventure with a quick recap of the events prior, where um, our exiles have uh, dropped into a scenario where Doom is under siege by uh, namor and his Atlanteans, and if doom falls essentially namor will conquer the world and kill most of it and our exiles have to intervene and it's a bit of a i'd say it's the only stumbling block for me for the issue is it's a bit of a wordy recap yeah um which makes me feel like the book's been on hiatus for a couple of months <laughs> for this kind of wordy recap I don't
0: know but, um, yeah
1: but uh, then we quickly jump into into the action with one of several really good panels um, of Mimic. Um, this is definitely a uh, a a tour de force of how good and how bad Mimic can look simultaneously. <laughs> um, and but it starts off really strong as uh, Mimic's uh, full on snicked um, metallic claws. I love his jagged claws so much. Uh, metallic fists just uh, popping out of a robot. As he's just hacking and smashing Doom Doom bots left, right, and centre. Um, Winnick does his usual sort of characterization by now, narration, which is works really well here. I think um, he does sort of let the the art sort of speak for himself. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, but he does enough to sort of the idea. That I I like the idea that you know. Um, they they're heroes, but at the same time they do like a good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, is what is what he's saying. Um, and we have these nice free panels of him jumping around and smashing, and then we have a double page spread of him totally taking one apart. And I quite like the double page spread. I love the way it's coloured. I like the fact that the, um, the metal, his skin is coloured tonally, mm-hmm. like it's actually under light. Right. Uh, which sometimes I don't know if. Uh, it must be really difficult to color Colossus. Um, Yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be reflective or something, isn't he? Because he's metal. But he's never really reflective. (laughs) Um, So it must be really... I I appreciate when when there's a lot of, like, um, attention to the color detail of of metallic skin. Because often it doesn't look metallic.
0: For sure. Um, Yeah, this, this, this double page really stands out. Um... There's, you know, a few minor issues like his right arm is just, like grossly exaggerated, uh, and yeah. then the the energy blast coming out of this um, robot is kind of, it's really dated in how they chose to color it. But outside of those, it's it's really nice, nice double page.
1: Yeah, and it's just nice to see um, someone as powerful and as mimic just let loose because oh, like, yeah. I really like. the the next couple of pages where you see his beast power, like him doing a bit of beast, then him flying at like super speed, turning into metal, his new signature uh, personal self-made fastball special, I yeah, suppose, yeah, and then yeah. like, letting loose with some energy blast. And I, I, like the description of like superheroes love fighting robots because they can just do whatever they want <laughs> and not feel bad. Uh, about it and um it's kind of it's quite fun and then obviously namor in all of his glory turns up um and he's like what are you
0: doing basically um in my in my invasion yeah we move to well
1: what's nice about
0: this is it's we also get into and maybe not as much early on it's more about the fight and him letting out his his rage but it's like uh They've been going about this for a long time, and he comes from a, like a really like the, the best timeline, and he has to go to yeah. all these terrible timelines, and it's really starting to stress him out. So this uh, this is a good way for him to to let loose and sort of come back to normal a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't possibly imagine
1: like the it must be really cathartic to just destroy robots.
0: Yes, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> like that must be. That must be quite
0: fun. Bad to do. day at work. Um, you just come home and punch a couple of robots, and you're all distressed. <laughs> it's a good workout. Too. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and,
1: and and so we from from uh, Mimic taking you know, letting off some steam and meeting um, He-Man, Neymar, because um, he's kind of traditionally Namor, but he also has the body of He-Man. Um, then we move on to our exiles with Doom who has the worst face mask in all of Doom's histories yeah, and realities. Yeah. Uh, the the Doom design here. is its weird. It's simultaneously bland mm. and and off-putting, um, which is an interesting combination. And our uh, exiles, lo and behold, find out that Doom has been lying to them. It isn't just a small group of, 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 of uh, Advanians like, like 100 to 1. It's, it's just a huge army. Uh, Moth's destabilized, so you can't keep your shape because they've got some sort of disrupting technology. Um, and Doom is just being Doom, uh, which depending on how you feel in the day, it could sound awesome because sometimes Doom is really fun to read. Sometimes Doom is just really like a pure stereotype. So, um, But it, it's just Doom. There's, there's nothing different about this Doom to any
0: other Doom. Except that this and one then, is, yeah. is totally without any power or... Any agency. He's just like, yes, I am master of all, but I'm not actually going to lift a finger to save my own people. It's odd. <laughs> it's
1: is weird, isn't it? Especially, yeah, yeah. But um, we do have a nice, like, dressing down where uh, Clarice decides to have uh, words with him. Which are quite, Winnick manages to get get it across without being too wordy. Um, and we see uh, Blink do something she hasn't done for a while which is take charge and actually act like a person yes um, so it was quite refreshing and these moments of character are uh, okay um, Sasquatch threatens Doom of course because she's big and hairy so Star Wars reference um, and I really like the little moment between Blink and Morph um, talking about Cal because they're essentially the I feel sorry for Nocturne, ten, but in my head they're like the, the tri the the triforce of this team mm-hmm. is um, those three. Um it should also include T J,
0: but she hardly does anything. I know. So, well, it's it's you know, we had someone on the cover who's basically not in the issue at all who gets even less screen time. Yes.
1: <laughs> but let's not talk about that. Sunfire, I love at
0: the end of the, like, spoiler for the issue, but at the end, like, oh, good thing Sunfire was around to take care of that army. You're like, really? We didn't (laughs) see any of that.
1: Good that that was all off screen. Yes. Um, So she does all the heavy lifting and none of the glory. Anyway, um, so uh, we we cut to Namor and uh, Mimic fighting. um, And... Namor is just on a one-track field trip of "I'm just going to murder everyone um, because you're not from the underwater sea kingdom and you don't you don't belong on this earth because you're all fucking evil," um, which I totally understand that train of thought because that's literally Namor's default setting. It
0: is, um,
1: and and this is where we kind of get this. Is what's kind of good about the issue is that even though. Doom is just playing Doom and Namor is just playing a really one no thing. They're playing against characters are actually starting to seem multifaceted now. So right. um, Mimic has just blown off steam because he, he, he just despises every world he's come across because it's just filled with people he knows who are just broken or evil or whatever. And he's faced with another friend of his who's just a psychopath. And he's just like he just despares. This is like death is just brings more death. Like he says, and then they get, they get really in it. And I really do like the fact that, um, Neymar punches him at super speed and, uh, <laughs> mimics like almost holding his hand out, like hold that for. And, um, goes off in super speed to finish the mission as opposed to fight Neymar. Oh, right. <laughs> and, uh, we get this really interesting panel of him, like, um, playing get out of the, get out of the, uh, maze. Um, or, or like Super Snake um, at the bottom of that but I really like the panel where he just disappears I think it's quite fun um, and he goes and destroys the device because there is always a device of course. Um, that's going to end all the people and Namor's not too happy and we get some really interesting panels Namor holding uh, Mimic like Bane hold, held Batman before he broke his back and right then they get smashed into some sort of underground there
0: which has et- nitro
1: pe- petrol I think it's supposed to be petrol, petrol
0: which is I thought that was kind of an odd choice
1: yeah cuz I keep looking at it thinking is it cuz they they right so listeners i don't know if if you're reading along you'll see this but it's almost as if they don't have the rights to say the word petrol
0: yes so all they all we see is etro Essentially, there's a um, there's a P that's covered by a word balloon, and uh, <laughs> it's like, what's going on?
1: It's really weird. It's like, why are they being so obtuse with it? Just being, yeah, because it, it didn't even need to be labeled. no It could just blow up. <laughs>
0: you would totally get you it, know? yeah. <laughs> but there's even one panel where they zoom in on the E T R O, like that's supposed to make sense to you. <laughs> I was like, is that a robot? I like,
1: is that Namor's pet robot? Um, yeah so um, it's petrol and it blows up and it causes fire and of course Namor is weaker in fire but Cal doesn't feel the heat because he's in his uh, metal form and they just go at it um, in, and essentially Cal wins is what you get from that I, I and love on the set... that
0: he's able to use his surroundings, be smart about it like he's an experienced X-Man so Kim going into metal form and fighting Namor in fire. It's like, okay, he's been smart about it. He's still able to take out like some of his, his anger. And we get more... Of, it's not like an overabundance of word balloons. So we get to sort of enjoy the artwork, even though there's like some minor issues here. But while doing that, you get to understand more about Cal's frustration with this whole adventure and how... How taxing this is on him—it's—it's it's a good issue for him. it's interesting because he, he, he goes on about how their
1: hearts are full of hate and murder, and ironically, he's like literally full on hating yes. and beating the little shit out of <laughs> Neymar, essentially. And you're right; there are some bizarre like visual choices, um, in places like the punch to his, Neymar's face, for example. I don't know—not not understand the black tar. Pouring out of his face. Yeah, um, that's supposed to be petrol. Um, so, but I do like the coloring of like the the, the metal becoming hotter. Yes, uh, therefore going red. And I like his backhand slap because
0: um, every gentleman
1: backhand slaps. Right. Uh,
0: and I love he's that he's got like fire red. like on him as he's hitting Namor. Like, like some of the petrol's got on him, and it's just like burning on his skin while he's fighting. It looks really great.
1: Yeah, it really does, and um, it basically sells itself. And then, then we cut to your fav, your your favourite, and my favourite bit of uh, well, at least Sunfire helped. um, As as the as the Atlanteans are defeated um, off screen, and TJ gets to say at least a word, a sentence, and then um, Cal's just like walks towards the team. He's now practically naked. Apart from his little tighty whities. And um, he's still semi on fire and extremely hot to the touch. And Luis is like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and just, just leaves. Even though he's obviously not fine. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's broken. He's broken inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he just he just goes. And it's kind of quite sad, to be oh. fair.
0: Oh, well, well, shoot. Here at the end, we actually get uh, some credits.
1: Well, yeah. A Not in t- mine. Mine
0: oh. oh, really? Well, like, under the uh, the last page, under the end, it says, A Tale Brought to You by Judd Winnick Scribe, Mike McCone Pencils, John Holdridge with Norm Rapmund, and Tim Townsend in inks. So, three inkers. Wow. Uh, transparency Digital Colors, Paul Tetrone Letters, Mike Reach uh, Editors, blah, 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 blah. So, nothing about cover here, but... Uh, yeah, three inkers. I mean uh... Wow. Okay.
1: It didn't feel like three inkers. No. I'll give, I'll give them. I'll give them that kind of credit because usually you can see that sort of. Oh yeah. But um, to be honest, visually, it's actually quite a strong outing for Mako. because he can be quite um, mixed. Yes. Um, and this one's been quite a, like he, he manages to hit the the emotional beats quite well. The fights are kind of kinetic and. Work. I think it helps that the color color works far more on point than it than it was fifteen issues ago. Sure, sure,
0: sure.
1: Um, and I think um, uh, Winnick's script is quite tight and allows yeah. the art itself. Um, to be honest, it's quite a solid character study. On like Cal's getting a lot of um, love. Yes. Um, watching this this once like pillar of his utopian society. Get teared down by all the dirt and muck he has to fight in. Um, a cliche, but a good one.
0: Yeah. I suppose this is definitely one of the better Exiles issues we've read. It's uh, it's got some action. It's got some heart. It's got some character. A little bit of uh, like inner inner team struggle here. It's. I I was like, normally, uh, when we had our, our other three books, when Gen X was the new Exiles, it was like. I could count on Exiles to be like the new Exiles to be great and Excalibur to be great and this older Exiles book would be like the well, which one are we gonna get? But uh this week this is definitely the the good the good version of that Exiles
1: book. Definitely. Though I do think we should start making like some sort of weird tally on tally on how um um how T J has a tail sometimes and then doesn't have a tail. <laughs> and how does that work? How
0: many- and then
1: also have a tally
0: how many times yeah, will? Yes, yeah, Sunfire or Sasquatch appear on page?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a, uh, maybe one time. I, you know, what I mean. Um, but it looks. Talking about that though, it looks from the front cover of the next issue uh-huh. that it's going to be a TJ special.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So. We'll see what happens with that one.
0: It also has. Um... You know, Marvel Illuminated has like credits for who's going to be on the next issue here, and Colorist has Transparency Digital and Udon Comics. It's like U D O N. Yeah. Right. So. As in, as in Street Fighter. As in uh, the, the noodles, the Japanese noodles, Udon. So it's yeah. really it's odd. I don't. I have no idea what yeah, that is. I
1: know. The, I know the. I know. I know the noodles, but they also do the street. They. I have like the Udon Street Fighter collection, uh, comics in my. Literally in my collection.
0: Oh well.
1: Which would be and they did like, they basically credit themselves as just Udon, like the entire production company. Huh. So well,
0: they're doing colors next issue, so there's that.
1: So that'll be really different. Who knows what it'll be
0: like? Yeah, what I know. Be- well, you know this this cover here as well looks uh, like really a different nice. artist. It, yeah, it, uh, I don't I don't know who's doing covers here. We got to find out, but. This could be another nice cover.
1: Well, I know for a fact that Macomb's not on our next issue. So it's it's uh, Califor- Califiore.
0: Okay. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, this will be interesting then. Cool. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, that was Exiles number 15. I think a solid entry. Maybe top third, I, I would say, book. Uh, yeah. Of, of the 15 issues we read, this is definitely in the top five.
1: Yes, for sure. This is this is this is good. Exiles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, when I read this, I was super happy. I was like, "Okay, cool. We're we're, we're doing things good." And then I read Excalibur. And I'm like, "Okay, things are going to be different this week." <laughs> 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 this is an issue, and I don't know what to make of this. But uh, Excalibur number fourteen, uh, part whatever in the cross time caper. Um, and on the front cover, we've got our Exile or sorry, our Excalibur team on the right jumping at basically the Marvel Universe on the left to start off looking like the normal Marvel universe, but then slowly turn into different things. So <laughs> like we've got Medusa and Hulk and Iron Man and Doctor Strange all looking normal. And then you slowly pan left, and then you've got like chubby quicksilver. And then you've got, like, Silver Surfer with, like, knee pads and elbow pads on, and Daredevil has, like, this crazy grin on him, and Black Bolt is flying like a silver hawk, and uh, Captain America is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Deathlock. Yeah. Deathlock. Deathlock, so it's like, okay, where are we going? Because this is crazy town.
1: I actually, um, also, can. there's some inconsistency uh, on the front cover. Uh, Kitty has... Silox hair color yes. and rachel has no, hair, has no hair yes i
0: saw that um, i was like what
1: apart from those two inconsistencies i think this is actually quite a clever cover because if you think of it marvel in the mid gives it as a double page spread yeah. so we just see the whole image but if you think of it on a shelf it oh, would right. actually look like <laughs> it, it would actually look like the exiles are fighting like some of the marvel heroes but you wouldn't know that the other marvel heroes behind on the back of the cover or like these weird grotesque grotesqueries yeah and i think that's kind of like a really nice sort of because the, the cover sort of how is that um classic avengers versus defenders sort of vibe and um i kind of really appreciate the fact that on a shelf this would be kind of fun
0: yes yes for sure
1: um and you, you'd pick it up and be like oh right and then you turn it around and go what the hell it's like Murdoch <laughs> M- is literally an egg
0: Yes, he is actually an egg. <laughs> There's a panel later on where his head is broken open and the yolk is out. It's 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 an issue. <laughs> um,
1: I, I really like the cover, but I am kind of annoyed slightly about like setting, like like Alan Davis doesn't really do that kind of. He never usually makes mistakes like that. I know the coloring mistake could be some is is what is someone else completely, but like um Rachel not having hair seems really off and yes. odd.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but. Who knows? Hmm. So how
0: does it start then? So we start off uh back in uh the Middle Ages kind of the fantasy world of Ingerland. Um where the uh prince and princess have just gotten married and the whole of the realm is celebrating. We've got trolls and giants and people with bowl cuts just sitting outside the uh the the castle here. It's it's kind of an amazing panel, like or rather first page because we have all these fantasy tropes, and then the background is like a giant BBC truck with a camera
1: <laughs> taking I, photos. I also love that Black Knight's there.
0: Uh-huh. Um, the
1: actual Black Knight. And Thor is there as well. Um, on the uh, left-hand
0: side. Oh, right, yeah. Thor and Black Knight, yeah. I was
1: like, ooh. And I do like that the another woman's just hitting some people with an umbrella um, at the front.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and then we kind yeah, of. Really... The... Oh, go ahead.
1: So I just really like that um, that panel a lot. Because, like, if nothing else, I still like the art of this issue. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, because this is a wordy issue. And it's also, in my opinion, kind of an unnecessary issue. But it's what we got. Uh, but inside the castle, we've got our Excalibur team uh, standing on the balcony, waving because they helped bring this couple together. And everyone is in costume, except for Captain Britain, who can't be bothered to dress up for the occasion. <laughs> of course not. Why would he? Um, but I also love Ezra waving on, on, on the balcony. That is like, hey, you guys look almost as good as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I genuinely love it. Yeah,
1: it's my, That is the best line of the book. It is. Me.
0: It's great. Um, and we cut inside the ball and... Like the royalty and the the aristocracy are mingling with Excalibur, and we get into some relationship dynamics where, of course, Kitty is still pining after Alistair, and uh, it seems that Captain Britain has finally noticed that Nightcrawler and Megan are kind of a good pairing. Um, (laughs) Yes. We've got some comedy moments of Captain Britain getting hit by a troll, and it's kind of fun, and you're like, okay, this could be off to another good start. And uh Kitty is like, you know, screw, screw this ball. I, I'm sick of having relationship problems. I'm gonna go to the train where she sees widget is uh eating everything, so she gives him some trash to eat instead. And what ways I have I have a question. Yes. What
1: the f- hell is that panel? Like, it took me a minute that, as well.
0: You- yeah, so there's a panel in the middle of this page. Where all of a sudden you're looking at it from Widget's point of view, and everyone is in almost like heat vision, and so I just assume it's just how Widget sees things.
1: It didn't. It didn't even occur to me that it might be Widget because I generally thought Widget was in front of her. But then yeah, she's just picking. Yeah, it's okay. Yes, now now I know it's Widget's view. It doesn't upset me as much as it. Because I was like, what the hell yeah. has happened?
0: It's 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 really unnecessary because it's not continued anywhere else. So it uh, it's just odd. But. Um, as Kitty's sort of sulking, then we see Phoenix storming out of of the ball, and she's really upset. And someone's following her, and who is it, Dan? None other other than Nigel Frobisher, who's just as much of a pig in this universe as in our universe. And uh, he is upset Phoenix, so she decides to tar and feather him, which (laughs) is, is hilarious, but also... Tarring and feathering This person is actually Kind of deadly In real life <laughs> so, um, so This is it, it's, it's played for jokes And it's kind of funny And Why does she, Why has she done this Because He had some Really nasty thoughts In his head about her And Captain Britain's like Yo Phoenix You gotta learn to chill She's like Oh yeah Captain Britain These are the thoughts That he had In his brain And then they all Have to like Hold Captain Britain back From like Saving Phoenix's honor it's, it's quite a good, you know, comedic, fun team dynamic here in the first five pages, Dan. What, what do you think? I, I quite like it. I think
1: it's kind of... It's what we kind of come to expect from it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be like a light-hearted... Because clearly, just, even when Exiles is spinning its wheels, or usually Excalibur? when Excalibur? Yes, sorry. Excalibur is spinning its wheels. It can always be fun. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening here. It's kind of like uh, the team are getting ready to leave, but yes. Claremont wants like an extra five issues, uh, five issues out of it. So he's just uh, spinning his wheels a little bit, but it's all in good jest, and it it, it does give a lot more to the characters. To be yeah, fair.
0: these first, mm-hmm. let, let's see, how many page? What page are we at here? This is page two seven. Yeah, yeah. Page up to page six is, I guess, page seven even. It's like, okay, it's a third of the issue. Um, They are spinning their wheels, but it feels like the winding down from the previous adventure, which is kind of natural, and it works. You're like, okay, this is cool. And then the rest of the issue, I'm like, oh, God, we don't need this. But uh, kind of jumping ahead of of myself here, uh, the team goes back into the train and as Rachel's all upset, Widget starts feeding off of her energy in, in a, a number of, of nice, nicely colored panels here. And then the train zaps off into do who knows where. And uh, our, our next adventure begins. What, what do you think about the coloring here, Dan?
1: Um, I'm really, um, I really like the way the first panel with Widget, whose face almost reminds me of warlocks, um, kind of just sort of. I don't know. I, I love the red um, of, of it all, and yes. I do like the fact that it, then it like spins to white, yellow, and black. Um, I think it's just got a nice feel to it all. Um, it starts with like a really dark red and yellow, then it goes from that to like sort of a, a burnt orange, then yellow and white, and then it just turns to shadows. Yes, I think there's a really nice sort of imagery going uh-huh, forward, uh-huh. and I think I think we visually the book still looks great and it's colored just perfectly in most
0: places it's a great sort of transition from this like burning fire of phoenix to uh almost like an interdimensional portal opening up in in terms of terms of the color transitions here which is which is really nice Uh, pretty much yep and the train lands and what they think might be uh, right in front of their lighthouse and they're like wait a second the water, the tides are too low. What's going on? And then Katie, Kitty needs to put on her glasses to see the giant tidal wave coming. I don't understand why, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a giant tidal wave coming, and they don't know what to do. And it's suddenly upon them. But luckily, a phoenix is able to encapsulate them into like energy coffins to save them from this giant yes. blast. Um, and I do like the panel of this huge wave coming crashing down. On their lighthouse yeah it's really nice it definitely has a sense of
1: scale to it all
0: yes and uh, it crashes down and the Phoenix encapsulates herself and these coffins go floating on the water and, and it's sort of everything calms down here a bit And this it's just this one page of Claremont being like okay Maybe I can actually not talk about water or like the crushing waves and let the artwork just do the storytelling. So that was kind of a nice breather here.
1: It was so. This was beautiful. Like, not having words on this page Mm -hmm. makes me so happy.
0: (laughs) Um. Because they're on all the other pages. Yes. Uh, And, uh,. The team wakes up, busts out of these coffins. Cap is upset about what Phoenix has done. But Phoenix is not to be found. But who is around? None other than Rick Jones with his Avengers ID even.
1: Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Rick Jones. Okay. Um, To say that I don't care about Rick Jones is an understatement. <laughs> but, so,
0: well, this Rick Jones for sure. <laughs> yeah. This Rick Jones is like, what if... Robin on the old Batman cartoon, was turned up to, like, 15.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. And it's
0: annoying. Yes. Um, And he never shuts up. And he just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. But he's there. And he's like, yo, let's uh, take you to New York. Because that's where all the heroes are. And I'm sure that's where the capsule went. The Avengers must have taken it. Because Phoenix is missing. And while they're in uh, Rick Jones's Quinjet, because, of course, qu- he has a Quinjet, Alistair uh, helps the uh, the ladies sort of trim down their costumes so they're a little bit more mobile. And wouldn't you know it, Megan's costume becomes, like, super sexy and Kitty's ends up looking like uh, an eight-year-old's uh, birthday dress kind of a <laughs> thing. <laughs> they never seem to... They, they never can't highlight the difference between Kitty being young and everyone else being, like, 25 and supermodels.
1: And this actually nearly causes
0: a catastrophic crash of the plane. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yes. Because Rick Jones is like, hey, ladies, oh, no. And there's a giant man who must have been in front of you for God knows how long, and then suddenly just, like, (laughs) sneaks upon you.
1: This is such a weird turn of event.
0: Yes. Like... But they they crash mm-hmm. on a giant man, Hank Pym, who is like, uh, kind of um, a-, a la Ant-Man from the most recent Ant-Man and the Wasp movie, where half of him is submerged into the ocean, the other half is you know giant, uh, outside of the water, and they crash onto him because he's just standing there in in, in the ocean, and obviously he's the reason for the tidal waves. Um, and he's like, I'm about to die, but at least I'll go out a hero and they're like what the hell is going on here and then Q namor who shoots uh hank pym with some kind of laser beam and a part that i really liked was uh claremont is talks about the size of hank pym and how it takes so long for the nerves to relay the shot to his brain so it takes a minute before he actually crashes i thought that was quite fun
1: yeah it's it's kind of fun um it's so weird, and obviously some of this is echoing when Jean Grey fell into the harbor and came out. Um, I feel like some of the panels are like specifically chosen, mm. sort of. Um, it had that vibe for me, you know, like she was in a cocoon, right? Fantastic Four. Uh, someone's pulling a plane out of water. Yes, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean.
0: It does it does have that that feel to it. I I, I feel like I'm rushing through this only because I want to sort of be done with it. Uh, So please feel free to jump in and, and, like, stop me, Dan. Because... No, because, like, one thing I will mention is, um, however
1: random it is, I really like the panels with um, Giant Man and, and, like, his stubble looks like tree trunks. And... (laughs) It just... It generally is... And, like, they're just a tiny ant on his shoulder. Right. Uh, And I think um, there's some really lovely panels like generally like going forward the panel where captain britain's lifting the out of the water although really he's really small um there's so like alan davis manages to milk that panel Mm. for every ounce of like sort of sense of movement definitely and it's just kind of it's just that sometimes you just sort of sit and really like there's there's a panel before it which is just the docks Mm. essentially just Mm. a harbor and there was so much simplistic detail that you could imagine that being a real place like I I I see all the artists where it's like it's the docks and they'll just draw like water and like a a platform right like maybe a wall to one of those really bland looking um sort of storage bay things Uh um but like here we've got like um he's got a skyscraper he's got cranes there's at least four different heights of buildings. The waves are crashing against buildings. There's a boat that's actually half submerged, and it's all done with like just colour work makes most of the detail.
0: Right, right.
1: And I think it, that like the, the in concert with a really good colourist, Alan Davis. Um, I haven't got to, we haven't got to the credits. So I I want to say it's um Glennis Oliver that's doing the colours on this issue, but um because it feels like it's is her. But we'll see when we get there. Um if we
0: get there. It's just yes. Uh
1: and and I just want to I just want to say that no matter what we think of the actual story when we come to the, the end um I can I just can't stop thinking that it's still worth a read because it visually looks brilliant pretty much all the time. Um so even though I I will probably say it's it's not a necessary issue I'd still say go read it because it looks great. <laughs> so that's my, that's my two cents for the whole thing. Oh, yeah, it definitely does look great.
0: Um, but just the, the story just turns me off so much sometimes here.
1: It is too much writing. It, it, this is where it all goes really weird.
0: Yes. Not in, a good, not in a good way. Because we go to like alternate universe, a la Exiles and everyone is just fighting everybody. And you're like okay something happened uh, there's some event that exiles is jumping into again and they run into a captain america's in the shadows and he steps out and it's not a regular cap is it dan
1: nope it is deflock cap yep <laughs> with complete tony, with gun t- yeah and tony stark made him i don't know <laughs> it's really hard to tell yeah
0: and so Luckily, right away, the team's like, "Okay, this isn't our universe. We need to find Phoenix and get the hell out." Um, and then we just go on some capers for a while, and every page is filled with way too much dialogue. You, it's almost like he doesn't want you to see what's happening because it's and just it's
1: so frustrating. Because it's so frustrating because Alan Davis is like giving you a, a line of supervillains into the back into the Baxter Building. He's giving you, like, really cheesy sort of secretaries and stuff, but, like, half of it's all just closed off by captions and well balloons, which are nonsensical most of the time.
0: Yeah, it's not even worth covering. It's just a bunch of dumb, talking, bad jokes while the team splits off. It's uh, Alistair and, and Kitty have gone to the Fantastic Four building to talk to Reed Richards to see what's going on, and the rest of the team, uh, rather... Uh, Megan and uh uh are also gone to the fantastic Four building, but like a different level and yeah. and cap and Rick Jones are like going off to fight I guess <laughs> yeah. I mean cap's not good for anything else so he's he's just gonna go fight with the rest of the heroes and we just see I do like the fact go ahead the fact that he punches, I
1: love the point the panel where he punches the Hulk it's such a great panel
0: yeah well but, um we see we see that the not only are, are things odd visually, but they've been kind of reversed. Like Thor and Loki are reversed. And uh, you mentioned Egg Boy has been spilt out onto MODOK. He's been, his, his egg yolk has been spilled out. Hulk goes to take out Cap. Cap uh, he sort of ducks and then hits him back. And Rick Jones is like, hey, the Hulk has the mind of a child. And you're like, okay, this is odd. And in the background, we've got chubby Quicksilver running after Namor, who has flipper feet. And yeah. on their own, these are, like, fun, but... I feel like it's just spinning its, its wheels so much here that it's it's hard to really enjoy what's going on.
1: Yeah, because it's a moment where Hawkeye's literally killed Deadpool. Not Deadpool, De- I don't know, Bullseye. Hawkeye's literally
0: murdered Bullseye in one panel. Yes, and you're like, um. right. But, but then... You realize that these people like die and come back again and again, and they're it's it's like a weird like fever dream almost yeah Daredevil is like mr not instead of he's he's lost his eyesight, but here he's lost his common sense so he's just like a weird dude and it... <laughs> Uh, this is true. The, the only thing that really of consequence that happens here is that Megan gets into her new sort of iconic costume here, which
1: yeah, I still al- prefer the old one.
0: <laughs> okay, but as a as a young boy growing up, this was like a hey, um, Alan Davis knows how to draw women at least uh, in, in a way that a young adolescent boy would enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like how you're trying to how how you trying to get to that point there. Um, well, Nightcrawler gets to get, gets put in his classic suit. Um, uh-huh. I actually quite like I like Megan's old costume because I thought it was, it was less sexual because um, it almost seemed like she had like a because had that like sort of scarf-y, um collar to it as well. Um, but I don't mind this one. It's just um, yeah, I can see you have to be
0: straight to really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> it uh, it highlights all of her. Natural curves, if that's the best way to put this. But um, aside from that, we—I think one of my favorite jokes, because this is basically a joke book—is like eight different Wolverines from different time periods, all like a, lining up to audition to be Wolverine.
1: Yes, uh, I'm the best at what I do. It's the only thing they say.
0: Yes, <laughs> and they're all practicing their lines, which is ridiculous. But anytime you get Alan Davis to draw Wolverine, you can appreciate that um, and it's just a whole bunch of like nonsense and characters, and it's not even really worth going through what we see or what we don't see until we get to the Fantastic Four because of course, they have all different powers as well, don't they Dan Mister Fantastic is uh he has the human torch powers uh Sue is the thing Ben Grimm is all stretchy. And Johnny is the Invisible, boy uh, basically. It's, yep. it's it's kind of a fun, like, oh, this is fun. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know, is it necessary? I don't know. I do like when um, Johnny uh, <laughs> calls Reed Hot Pockets. That was a nice <laughs> little dig at him. But basically, Phoenix wakes up on her own. So they're not even like the Fantastic Four are useless. And then Galactus shows up out of nowhere and he's like, Yo, time for me to eat. And the issue is like over. And you're like, What the hell was the point of this? Why did we do this? Not, not
1: only over, it's as no consequence. So, like, uh, Exiles leave. I say Exiles, it's because they've gone to a different dimension. Like, Excalibur team leave. And, um, he eats the planet, <laughs> essentially. Um, he's the so planet. The planet
0: yeah, and there's someone left over on the planet who I don't know who this is. Do you know who this is? Mister Impossible. Is, is he called Mister Impossible or something like that? Okay. he's a Fantastic
1: Four. And he basically just resurrects them all. Yes. Because it's been him all along.
0: And you're like, okay, that was pointless issue. Yeah, and we cut over, we cut away from like some crazy Galactus artwork and explosions and blah 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 blah, which you know maybe we should talk about, but by this point in the issue, I was so frustrated with just nothing happening of consequence, and not like character building, there's not like a mission for them to accomplish like an exile, so they're just sort of like running through a fever dream, and and then it ends, and I was like, oh god, thank goodness this is over with.
1: Yeah, there's some some, um, fun, um, like visually, it's got some really great fun Scenes, mm-hmm. but it is nonsense. And the fact that the 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 fact that Claremont specifically gets Galactus to eat a planet, only to have the big reveal be this green dude who's been resurrecting them the whole, the whole time, so no one ever dies because yes. he is having sadistic fun. And it's like
0: it's hard to okay. even enjoy the artwork and the silliness because there's these word bubbles all over everything. Yeah, <laughs> I don't what. What am I? What, what am I supposed to take from this issue, Dan?
1: The uh, Meg. It was a really convoluted way to get Megan and like, Nightcrawler their uniforms.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess. That's all. That's all. That's all that happens. Mm-hmm. Is that they get the uniforms, and everyone yes. else
0: talks about how how weird the place is. Yeah. It's. This was frustrating for me, Dan, because. Uh, this is usually our standout book, and this week it was, it was, not the standout issue. It was, it was a frustrating read. It was, time-consuming. It, it f- felt unnecessary. I, I, I'm sure I've said that like eight hundred times already. But it's just, it's just a painful for me. Yeah.
1: It's just a bit. Um... It's just a bit weird.
0: Ah, well, I mean that happened, and we don't have to talk about this ever again. So that's good, at least. <laughs> uh, but yeah. the, guy, we're, we're, the, the the train is traveled on, and judging by next next uh, uh, issues cover, we're back to something of more substance. Uh, I
1: should be it should be it should be much more fun. Hopefully, Biggest as fast.
0: Well. I guess that's. Is there anything else you want to say about this issue? Is is something I'm missing, Dan? Am I just being a gloomy Gus here?
1: No, it's not that. It's like it's a, it is a comedy issue, but Clement's Clermont, obsession by this time with filling pages with with words that mean nothing mm. um, kind of takes away the joke because the jokes are often visual. Yes, and the visuals, the visuals are often. Uh, mud concealed by the word balloons Mm. so it is frustrating and the whole point of it just seems like let's just put care in his costume and give megan a sexy new costume that seems to be the whole point of it Mm. um so we shall see um i know going forward it does it does change dramatically but as a as an issue i think it's kind of like it's the first time I felt bad even when Alan Davis has been, like, right. I felt down on, when Alan Davis has been dry. Like, it generally looks gorgeous, when you can get, when you can actually look at the page. Um, but, and it's coloured so well, like, the colour work is so well done. It is, it is. Um, and we the didn't
0: talk about the it
1: enough. Is, no, and the destruction of the planet is, is done in almost like a sunset, coloured like a sunset. Yes. As, as, the, as, as, as the planet dies, which I thought was a genius way to colour it. Um, and there's all these beautiful, creative flourishes to it. And then you've just got, like, a full diatribe of, of nonsense. Um, like Almost like Clemens like, oh, shit, I actually have to write stuff. But I have no idea what I want to do here. I just want to do this really random like place where bash crazy thing happens. Yeah. It's like he literally had loads of what if ideas and just threw them in one book
0: mm, mm. Exactly it wasn't a, a good idea <laughs> But ah well well that was Excalibur 14 um, not, not the best issue we've had so far no well we move on to generation
1: X uh, number 3 oh. um, which is an X-Men deluxe issue apparently um, that's what this is on my phone cover and, um, X-Men Deluxe? Yeah, it just says X-Men Deluxe on the front cover. Right, got, it does on to mine me. too, yeah. X-Men but, Deluxe. Next to the... what,
0: what's, what's I'm th- like, is it? It's, I think it's the standard page count, so I don't know. <laughs> Marketing spiel at it's best.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the front cover we have M uh, squaring off against Penance in the rain. Um, it's quite a sort of Action orientated cover. I wouldn't say it's the best cover in the world. Um but it's it, it serves its purpose
0: it serves its purpose. It it
1: tells a story, it tells you what's happening inside the book and um it's drawn really nicely.
0: I love the angle um, of of the issue. Uh, or sorry, of the cover yes. as well, so we're like over the shoulder of um of Penance and looking at Monet like taking a swing and all the raindrops all being all detailed and bubbly and splattery. It's uh it's not the most ingenious cover, but as you mentioned, it does what it's supposed to do, and it looks nice.
1: Exactly, and of course, it's um, Chris Baccalà that does the cover and the inside art, and uh, Mark Buckingham is doing all of the inking. Um, and it's, it's um, is it still Steve? Yeah, it's, so it's still Steve Baccalà and Electric Crayon doing the colors, color work for the cover and inside, and lettered and, by uh,
0: Richard Starkings and Comicraft.
1: Yes. Comic- comic- I didn't know Comiccraft had been going that long. Mm-hmm. Obviously they have. Silly me. Anyway, um, Silly and obviously you. we can't we, we can't not say it's written by Scott Dale, Um Even though sometimes people want us not acknowledge his existence. <laughs> um, but yes, dead silence is the issue, and uh, we start where we left off with a uh, penance, um, fingering Banshee's mouth. For um, <sighs> had yeah, with her talons. So, right, I have a question. Uh huh. Is she ba- is she balanced right? Because she because, as we know, her skin is super razor sharp, and just touching it will cut you. Is she literally sort of, whole, he's just deadly still, and she's deadly still, and she's just literally got her is having the tip of her finger like in his mouth. Yeah. Not touching anything. Yeah, I think. So that's... because like, that's not how it's drawn, but um. I assume
0: that's how it's supposed to be. Yes, I think that's what it's supposed to be.
1: But not that it's a bad drawing. Um, We do have some, um, I'd say, ugly face panels coming our way, though, Mm. as Banshee manages to... um, My least favourite panel in the book, and kind of an ugly panel, is him gut-kicking Penance. I think his face is really all over the place. Yes. Um, And yeah it's just it's yeah it's just a really ugly panel, but then it just instantly becomes beautiful
0: yes it does. um even even just down down that side like the next time you see his face he doesn't look nearly as is ugly
1: just feels like a really different artist yes. through that one panel yes. and then <laughs> but um we have this beautiful double page spread of um banshee knocking pennants off him and then we' just got this stunning. A rendering of penance coming out of the mud, and it truly is one of the most beautiful images I've seen in the last couple of weeks. It's, it generally it's so beautifully coloured. I've only just noticed um, that they colour her um, differently in her face, so it's sort of like her facial colour slightly lighter mm-hmm. and it moves back, back into darker red. Um, there's like scratches and blood all over, you know, and cracks all over her fingernails the insane detail of all our wraps in the mud falling off the wraps right it's just in it, it's mind-boggling because <laughs> like I adore the color work like her eyes have actual pupils they're not just blue not just fully blue right as well like they colored it so they actually have um, irises and pupils in the background you've got like tufts of grass like he even put, he even decided to put a tuft of grass and a lightning strike behind her, um, even though she's in a mud pit. It's, it's kind of like it's just that that it's it's insane. He, how long would that
0: have taken? That feels like it would have taken weeks to have, to have achieved. Oh yes, there's so much detail here, even in like the like the clouds of smoke behind her or like the, the the dirt pit they're in is all super detailed. It's like. Wow, it's it's a lot,
1: <laughs> and and it's it's totally like the rest of the issue could look like garbage and it would still be saved by this one image.
0: Um, <laughs> Luckily, it generally it, it, is. It, it does it, the rest of the issue isn't garbage, but
1: <laughs> I just no, it's just I've it, just I just completely fallen in love with this 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 image oh, to yeah. the point of like. Um, I will now hunt it down and have it in my <laughs> as, as my phone wallpaper. Probably. Right, right. Um, but before uh, Posh um, Sean can get slashed in half by penance, we hear a shrip, which is a familiar shrimp, um, of um, good old Husk ripping her skin off to reveal a new form underneath, and we finally get to see her sort of actual power. Right. So before we just got uh, just got we saw her like rip her skin off just to reveal the same thing underneath. And then we find out that she can actually rip her skin off to become different materials. And I like the fact that um, she's uh, stone. And I like the fact that that, um, uh, um, bachelor has um, gone out of his way to actually design her. Right. Not just, like, made made a stone version of her. Like, she looks exactly the same, but she's stone. Like... um, no offence to anyone that draws Emma Frost as Diamond, but, like, Emma Frost as Diamond, because um, turning into Diamond would definitely change the way your hair would be. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so we've got uh, almost this really cool um, Bride of Frankenstein style hair, hairstyle um, that Paige has, and she just looks really nice. And this really cool panel, which is the actual panel itself, has been sort of cut out almost, around the edges to denote some more action and more sort of synthesis. Yeah, I love that.
0: I love that so much.
1: It's just so, um, it's, it feels randomly modern, but perfectly 90s at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the narration's really good. I love the fact that the attention to detail that the letterer has made to Paige's new voice, because now she sounds all stony and gravelly. Mm-hmm. We have this really cool sort of wear balloon, which has actually a, blue highlight around it which crazy um, and I like the fight scenes really dynamic I love the fact that she's a bit cocky when she when she pushes her into the mud the first time oh yeah oh yeah and like the cocky face is brilliant and then the surprised face um, and I that panel where she's pushing Penance into the mud with her hand up and the other one in her face yes while she's swearing at her is so beautiful as well like Oh, the color work is also... It's almost as if Penance's red reflects off her. Right. As well. Um, and the use of yellow is really interesting. And I generally think it makes it feel like it's not raining anymore. It feels like a really, like, sort of kinetic fight between them both. It does. And uh, I, love,
0: I love the emotions in the faces as well. Like the surprise in Husk and, like, the horror in in Sean's face and the frustration when Husk gets back up again. No one... No, it, it, they never look like blank, like almost action figures just sitting there. They feel like real people having reactions to what they're going through. And I love the fact that slowly, panel by panel, the page is getting more damaged.
1: Mm-hmm. Like she's cracking because um, obviously she's physically touching her, which would actually rip her to bits. And then um, the fact that, like, we we move over a page and we have this really interesting moment where Penance uses her feet to like claw into her back and fling her away um and that 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 one panel where she's spitting out mud oh yes and Pen- is again yeah another great panel then we have like a slightly odd i'd say it's a slightly odd um i think it's because of the color work and the weird spit that comes out of banshee's mouth um this is like the pink energy spit coming out of his mouth yeah um that's a weird panel but then we jump straight to a panel that's beautiful it, it's it's uh, the, like there was it, uh, it's mainly shown in action um and it's only really two panels but they are really sort of jarring yes. visually compared to the rest of it yeah um it, it does. i will admit that it, t- it took me a second out of the fight but as soon as it goes straight back in at this great moment of uh, banshee like banshee just letting loose and all of the dirt just flying in pendleton's face and um, it feels like people are using their like, like their powers in an actual scenario as opposed to just beams being fired in one, direc- one direction. Yeah, um, And that's what I really like about the art. It just has a great sort of um, story to tell on every single panel. Um, I loved, I actually... Uh, we should mention, Abdel, I think all the narrations pitch perfect. It yes. really does capture like, the, moment, the essence of it all. The characters sound great. I, I adore the sort of slapstick not slapstick but the sort of like gallows humor um like even though uh, sean's berating um Paige for being a st- idiot he still sort of cares for her and and the idea that she doesn't even know if the, if the damage is permanent or what will happen when she turns back to a normal form um it's like it, it still has a sense of like people learning and like doing things wrong but doing it for the right reasons and it it totally characterizes those two characters really well in just an action sequence. And
0: I, yeah, it, it really does. I, I really want to like shout out the, the, the word balloons and, and lettering here as well, because when Husk changes over, she's got a whole different like feel to her, her word balloons, her letters have like more, more, more feeling to them. They're like more expressive and bigger. And, uh, it's just like I, I don't notice word balloons or, or text that much unless they really stand out. But here it feels like, OK, a whole different personality is coming through her word bubbles here, which is which is really nice.
1: Exactly. And then we um, get a OK weird interlude. Um,
0: so when I was a kid, when I was a kid and this interlude came up, I'm like, so why is Jubilee on the beach with this other guy now? What's going on here? I d- <laughs> I d- to be fair
1: it kind of does look like Jubilee. Um, so. But yeah, the interlude is an interlude, and we'll leave it at that. Like, it looks nice. Yeah, in the yeah. words do something. And like, Mondo is
0: here, who was like foreshadowed in the early issues as being like a member of the team, and this is the first time we see Mondo, and, and he's just sitting on a beach, and that's it. And these weird interludes, which are easily the worst part of any of these Early Gen X issues. Not that they're like badly worded or badly drawn. It's just so jarring to jump into this and then jump out again.
1: But back at Xavier's, um, as it were, we have yes. um, skin, <laughs> uh, skin like just smoking in the control room, um, and then we have <laughs> we have this really great moment between uh, Everett and Jubilee where Everett's like, "We should stay together," and she's like, "Keep up." <laughs> um, yes it's a good idea keep up with it yes and it's just um and actually i what i really do like is it's a side of jubilee i haven't i rarely see um because obviously she's quite gung-ho and she pops a few fireworks to see what's happening and penance is right there in front of front of them and um she flings loads of like rocks uh she's like smashed off at at them both and uh Sink jumps in with his what does she call it? Synchronistic aura? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, how come you've got a force field? And this is the first time he talks about the aura, which is a rainbow aura, which is just brilliant in all of its ideas. Yes. Um, and the idea that the aura, what he's doing is he's synced up with Penance. So the aura is as tough as she is. And so Penance comes out at, at them and can't get through and then just disappears. But what is really interesting is that Jubilee closes her eyes and I think that's and likes hides behind um everett and I think that's really different story to, like it's a really interesting character choice because up until this point she's been like uh, Wolverine's um dog pet yes side and she's been gung-ho and she's like sort of swan in the face of juggernaut and Fenris and whatever else is, is around and you know what I mean and it's nice to, it's, it's weird to see like all that bravado in the face of actual possible murder just melt away yes yeah exactly She because she starts with like a joke about um, do you want to close, co- close the open coffin to Ev-, Ev and even Everett's sort of like confidence kind of wanes at the end and he, he tries to throw out some dark humour right at the end whilst and when it's all over, like Jubilee, you know, removes her hands and it's like, what the hell's happened? And it's a really vulnerable moment for a character who has only really been one-notely characterized by Claremont. I don't care what anyone says, but she was only a spunky child right. um, for a long time, and this is where she starts to become more than that. Yeah. And this is the, and this book is the reason she is interesting to me. Um, and yeah, there's. I, go ahead. I think. It, I think it's an interesting move by Lobdell because at the time this was made she's the draw. She fires fireworks. Everyone knows she fires fireworks. She, you know, I think the TV show's just started as well and everyone will have a certain idea of Jubilee and for her to hide will be would be quite jarring for a lot of fans.
0: Mhm.
1: Like they'd expect her to just like popping off some fireworks and knocking pennants left right and center. But it was nice to see
0: her Vulnerable. It's it's a continuation of what uh, was brought up during the Flanks Covenant, where she was still sort of afraid to use her powers, and uh, Everett was, even though he'd never used her powers before, was able to use them even like better and more uniquely. She's just so afraid of being a mutant or what she can do, or worried if her powers are even worth anything. That she's so much bravado and so little follow through and and sort of carried over into this issue as well. I No, it's it's one of those things where when she was introduced and early on they hinted that she had some like latent telepathic abilities as well and that her pyrotechnics could be really powerful, but it's it's something they never really followed through oh, on. Even even to this day. Her powers are still kind of a joke. Like she's never really trained to Use them in any sort of forceful way. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just—it almost feels like there's still so much work they need to do on Jubilee, even thirty years later. <laughs> she's not not used enough. But um, no, I, I, it's a great character moment here, and I love that she's able to like mix with like all of her teammates so well in so different many different ways, like from the get go. Like even yes. remember the first issue, she's like teasing Husk, but then Banshee shows up, and then her and Husk are like thick as thieves, and her and Everett right away are cool, and she's good with skin. It's just like she's like the magic in the team dynamic that makes every everything work well f- for me at least.
1: No, no, you're right. She's she's the um, sort of the foundation, even though her and M uh, antagonistic. It's almost like sisters as opposed to yes, like like full on hate.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. No <laughs>
1: so, so that I I I think she is the sort of heart of the team. Mm-hmm. And um moving moving from um like this this moment uh, we have some just I'm just going to say before before I say any more is that th- this issue is just yet again filled with images that are just stunning to look at and um artistically much like the last issue of Excalibur we just read. It's, it's basically a 10 out of 10. Yes. So, I mean, art-wise. So
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right, writing-wise so is great.
1: Yeah, so rather than hammering the nail on the head, uh, we'll just keep recapping, and uh, I'll just point out, panels that people should just be Googling over. But, um, yes, so... Everett and Jubilee are kind of like, what do we do now? And we should go after him. But Banshee... Right, so... I don't understand what Banshee's been doing this whole time, but Banshee and Husk emerge from the mud. <laughs> and... Then she's like, "You need to take Husk to the infirmary because she's in shock." And I just think to myself, "Has they just been hiding in the hut? Pen- did Penance look away for five seconds?" And Badger's like, "I'm hiding in the mud." Yeah. Like, <laughs> <And> like <laughs> but it's quite. I really like the page, and it's really nice. And I do like the fact that even after she was terrified, uh, Jubilee's like, "You go, you go ahead. I've got something to do." Right. So she's clearly going to go off and do something. Then we have another interlude which foreshadows and all it ever does is foreshadow. Uh the assassin that keeps having his hand fall off. And then um we move over to my personally favourite dynamic when I first read started reading it, which was Emma and M. Em. Right. Um so Emma decides to lay a trap for penance and um M springs it and we have these really lovely like two posh well-bred women sort of bantering at each other, uh, both as arrogant as each other as well, which makes it so much more fun to read. Because, like, M berates uh, um, Emma for being like, too confident and then when it doesn't (laughs) when when, uh, because Emma's just about to side-scan Penance to see what is inside her mind and she has a massive psychic backlash because her mind is almost as well protected as their body, and um, there's nothing really in it, but it's just kind of weird. And then M obviously has something to say about the fact that, because Emma's all like, "Let an adult do it, darling," sort of thing. And then Emma's like, "How was it being an adult, sort of thing?" And then Emma's and comeback is just basically like, "Like, don't be, don't be a bitch," because that's part of bringing. And I just like. <laughs> I was like, I love the fact that you're just basically having to go each other for the same things constantly, yes. and it's just hilarious, and it is really fun to read. And I, I, I really appreciate um, uh, back, like, sort of um, how he's like really turned down Emma se- sexually, right? Like, she just seems like a woman now. I know that, uh, like, out of all the ex characters that are drawn sexually, Emma actually char- as a character plays her sex as yes. a weapon, yes. And as a part of herself. Um, that's, but I do uh, like the fact that, um, which we mentioned before, is that Backerler has like this, this a tendency to draw the kids as kids, and um, sort of pull it away from being like super beefcakey about it, anything at all. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, everyone just seems natural. Uh, the color works. We it continues to be brilliant, and um, you forget that it's in the storm. But there's a lot of rain everywhere. Because um, <laughs> sometimes I keep forgetting they're in a storm, but they're wearing like the raincoat.
0: Yes, and there's, like, I mean, that's that's one just... of the reasons why Emma isn't so like Emma isn't so sexualized. This issue is she's got like a, a rain jacket on, and they're in a storm, so she's not you know bearing all of her assets, so to speak. Uh, but even <laughs>
1: I've got, even the costume choice that they've given her. Oh yeah, uh, that is is it very sort of. Is still Emma, but slightly less like a, a stripper, like when she was first introduced. Oh yeah, yes, for um,
0: sure.
1: but I do like like the way he draws Banshee's sonic cry as just lines, uh-huh. curved lines in a direction. But yeah, so M's about to um, sort of, I assume, incapacitate Penance, but Penance uh, instinctually tries to, is about to like basically slash her face off. So Banshee in, intervenes and. <laughs> Yet another great uh, sort of character moment is that although she, uh, Monet, completely goes after Emma, she is such a suck-up to, 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 to Banshee. It's insane. Like she's full-on, like, switches from being, like, a petulant yeah. student to... Yes, right. sir. yes, sir, what a great idea, sir. That was brilliant. And I'm like, you... You, you bitch. Like, <laughs> playing people off on each other. And, um... Then we move over to um, Jubilee, who's been tracking Penance and is about to, like, do her own plan. When the forest erupts in fiery, uh, in a fiery cataclysm, and um, who should appear but our resident Goth, um, Chamber? And wow, like the the yeah the, the sequence of events, uh, the the narration of the idea that they're kindred spirits, and Jonathan's. Words which are probably the most interesting words the next man has spoken in -hmm. a while Mm -hmm. about being a mutant um just really just keep defining what this book's about um that image of penance looking at him on the tree stump and the fire just swirling and flowing away from his his um chest is just something else definitely really and like his talk about how mutation for him and her like has been like a punishment and has not been fun and you know they are the monsters and he just allows her to basically trust him and that's all that was needed and jubilee witnesses the whole thing and then obviously jubilee has a nice little snappy sort of that was like 99 percent risk um sort of thing and they resolve the issue and i do love jubilee's last moment of was this a life lesson
0: yeah yeah she, she kind of undercuts it in a like a really great way it's well I mean, we can't say enough about the artwork especially in, in these pages here i mean you went into it a little bit with uh Jonah's fire and the coloring and like the i just love the panel layouts which we really haven't talked that much about this this no. issue but it's it, he's quite ingenious with his panel layouts here and how he he cuts the little circle out of the page and inserts jubilee. We, sort of spying on what, what Jono is doing and it's like you, you, you watch you watch you look at this issue and you just like your breath is taken away all the different unique choices here and how it all fits together so well um, you know we used to talk about um, the other Exiles book or I think we talked about it maybe a lot more when we were podcasting with Jason that like the synchronicity between the creative teams and how that can make a book really work or not work and everyone is on the same page here uh writer and artist that it it takes the book to the next level like we could have this great looking book but the story doesn't work or you know or the story's great and the artwork is kind of so-so but the tone of the art plus the the amount of dialogue and character and how they both feed off of each other is just so wonderful i i was I'm kind of surprised, like I remember really enjoying Gen X when I was a kid I didn't expect to come back to it and s- still find it to be such uh, like a high watermark in terms of comic books but this this is just another wonderful like well put together invigorating issue and then
1: the fact that um, even though we, ha- we have like a mini epilogue with um, Skin and Husk actually coming together as friends, even though they were like Basically having Scrabble and just taking the piss out of each other beforehand, and even though it essentially ends with a circle panel of M with a Christmas hat on saying "Come back for our holiday special," um, issue, I still I'm just like there's there's a sense of sort of feeling like it's forging forward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like like this is this is the next generation of Xbox. This is what the um, like the future of the franchise and even reading it now it feels like it actually feels fresh yes and that isn't that disturbing that it's like (laughs) how how many years old and it feels fresh like it feels the ideas in it feel have been done before like there's there's nothing new between Jono saying that he's a monster and all monsters just stick together that's not new that's that's just that's old that's old goth old literature but it feels different here and the the like you said with the panel layouts, like the idea of te- like the tension that has pil- built up in that sequence where Penance has basically got his, her entire um, hand and claws around his face. Right. And it just keeps cutting between her face, his face, Jubilee's face, and even the color work. Because as, as Chamber, well, what we haven't talked about is that it would seem that when Chamber's on combat mode, it's all fire. Mm-hmm. But he can also change it to like a blue. Yeah, it's almost well, like a
0: lightning.
1: So it feels like it's it's like when he goes to blue, it's more um, sort of either calming or he's he's trying to calm her down, or it, it's like a specific, it feels like he's disarming her at the same time. And like the color work where it reflects that sort of choice. And it's a shame because later iterations uh, of Jono, they give up on even changing the color of, of his fire yeah um but as it stands now this issue is the best of the three i read and it it's really is stand out like if it was on the shelves now i would feel like it's i feel like it was like exiles i feel it, i'd be like this is unique this is what the future of the Xbox should be like <laughs> like if this was the this is released
0: this like this week for example i'd have been like holy shit <laughs> um
1: yeah. Why isn't every
0: X book like this? Honestly, why isn't every X book like this? So I yeah, still feel that way for sure. It's it's that great. I don't want to say like Clermontian feel, but there's action and character and like purpose to it, and you feel like progressing in the story. It's. And, I and, and I, and I worry what's going to happen when we get to like issue twenty and creatives change and what'll happen, but. Right now, it's just it's just yum, is, is all I can say. It's delicious.
1: Exactly. It's like almost like it, it manages to um, homage and respect the past and sort of give you a nostalgic feel. It's a team of like six or whatever, and it's a school, and it's very X-Men. But at the same time, it just feels different and um, unique. And unfortunately, I do generally feel like when we get to when the creative shift, I do, I do feel like um, it it does lose a lot of its voice. Yeah, unfortunately. But I, we'll get there.
0: I also want to point out that, you know, with Exiles, we just had uh, an issue that was really focused on one character. And even though there's about the same number of team members in Exiles, we don't get to feature most of them.
1: And I, I know no. this
0: that was a like, specific issue uh, where it was really focused on one character. But in general, Exiles doesn't really... Feature everyone, uh, for the most part. I mean, I don't know how many times we talk about TJ or Sunfire not being featured in an issue, but this is every team member really has their like character moment here, and there's there's a real dynamic. It is a team book in in the proper way where Exiles can also feel like, well, it's a team, but we're really only focusing on like two characters. You know what I mean?
1: And like um. Even Excalibur at times feels like it's only about three members of the book right. Um, so even that even even however enjoyable that is, it still doesn't manage to affect that ability. just just, just feel like everyone gets something to say.
0: Right. Well, I gotta say this is a great issue. Uh, so uh, it was so like half, half of it was just me me listening to you just like wax on about it and it was it was gorgeous just to hear you talk about it um but this is this is wonderful and like spoilers for the next issue but I I think I got that for Christmas or around Christmas time as well and it, like this next issue has a really nice place in my heart um uh, for for sort of just and it's not a uh, the next issue is not an action issue as much as I remember it's very much like uh hanging out with the characters which will be great as well but i'm just so part of me is is has fallen into this pool of nostalgia about how much i love this book but also surprised about how good it it still is and i'm just excited to keep reading it with you
1: yes i'm i'm glad that it lives up to the quality um at the moment anyway
0: (laughs) i feel like there's the christmas issue and then maybe one other and then i think we jump into age of apocalypse fairly soon yes Yes, we do, which is a thing that happens. <laughs> I I want to you know say that I think it's one of the better Age of Apocalypse series, if memory serves. Um, well, there's some new characters, and the characters we do know are kind of altered in in fun ways. Um, and Jungle gets a real starring role in in that book, um, but. Um, That'll be interesting to reread to see how that how that holds up.
1: Yeah, because we'll need to figure out because um, the way where I've got it collected, I don't think it even has uh, Gen. They call it just Next Gen or yes. something. Yeah, um, it, doesn't yeah. Have, it doesn't have the Age of Apocalypse in, in how it's collected. So I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to figure out when it actually starts. Well, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah.
0: sure either the end of the next is, uh, issue or the issue afterward. Uh, the, the like the final two pages the end co- uh, crown crystal like creeps in and jubilees like hey uh, the book's ending for a minute check us out in in next X or whatever it's called we'll see you there and so it there's a definite point of uh of like hey check out this next so uh, we won't have to search for it it'll it'll slap us in the face I do have lots of nostalgia for the Age of apocalypse even if um every
1: time they we re- return to it or even mention it kind of makes me shudder in fear and terror um <laughs> mainly for bad stories but it, when it happened it was a thing that encapsulated everyone's imagination yeah and those um i have the gold foil um trades of quite a few of the series mm-hmm. and it says on the back america is dead and giant less.
0: oh yeah oh yeah i forgot <laughs> about that
1: if it doesn't, if it doesn't capture, if that doesn't capture your attention, I don't think much will. <laughs> will. So yes. Maybe I'll read all of it just in preparation. Oh boy. For, uh, It'll probably I'll need... probably no, cause I'm, I think it's actually kind of good, isn't it? Like on the whole, it actually kind of holds up. I want but... to
0: say I reread it like eight years ago, and for on the whole, I thought it was it held up fairly well. Um, it's definitely mm. better than the Flanks Company, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a lot is <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so that was that was gen x issue three uh that was great uh all in all you know two really good issues one gorgeous looking but uh, just frustrating issue um uh, but it was it was great to talk to you dan about these you know uh we had our gen x special a couple weeks ago so it was great to jump in and do some more exiles Excalibur, bring Gen X into the fold properly, and, um, I think we'll probably be on, um, Jason's episode another week or so, talking about a whole roundup of an ungodly number of current X-Men books that <laughs> I'm not really looking forward to read. It's a lot of books. It's too many books. It really is.
1: <laughs>
0: I think we're going to have to tell Jason, or tell but, like, Work with him on like uh, a format, something like all right, two two sentences to cover each book, and like a final grade and move on because it's gonna be like eight hundred books.
1: It's all the age of X Men.
0: It's gonna be like art was great, story was shit, <laughs> or it's gonna be like oh, why are we reading this? Uh, that's my review. <laughs> yeah. Or hey, this is presently good. Let's move on. You know that that's gonna be my those are gonna be my comments that's all you need Twitter comments that's how we should do it yeah I know
1: with Twitter comment.
0: but um, um alright where, where, where can can our listeners find us Dan and
1: um, you can talk to us at Excalibur's one on Twitter and um, through that you can find us on the Podbean um and like the links to the, all the episodes and you can tell us um or interact with us if you want to um you can find us on Google easily find us on Google now um stitcher itunes pretty much anywhere
0: you can listen to things we're on it now Mm -hmm. so yeah we had a little mix up with google for some reason but we should be back up there so if you couldn't find us please uh please look for us on uh, on google play we should be there all right all right well dan this is great i'm looking forward to continuing Gen X for as long as we, we can handle it. <laughs> and, uh, 75 issues, not including the four Age of which oh, yeah. ones. I mean, there's, the, the cool thing is Excal- we're, we're so far into Excalibur and Exiles already that if we continue this podcast for like eight years, all three of these series will finish up around the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is true.
0: Um, but we're also going to need to talk. Uh, I guess this is just kind of shop talk, but looking at Marvel Unlimited, there are gaps in Excalibur um, and Gen X that need to check Excels uh, to see if there are any gaps there as well, but we might have to do some creative accounting to find these missing issues here. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's for later on. I uh, just want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.
1: I have, I have all...